I am Zarina Dimitrova, a strategic partner and mentor to businesses in the process of transformation. Join me on Grow and Learn as we explore a range of topics from personal development and career advancement to relationship building and financial management. With practical advice, inspiring stories and expert interviews, we'll give you the tools you need to thrive in every aspect of your life. Join us as we share insights and strategies that can help you achieve your personal and professional growth objectives. Welcome to the Grow and Learn podcast. Welcome to everybody new. As you know, I'm always bringing exciting people from all walks of life, from all spheres, all industries that can bring and open up the doors for new possibilities for you. And today I have uh, as a guest, Catherine Lazaruk, a Canadian expert on executive presence. Right. Correct. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> when you say executive presence, I laugh because I really think that executive presence as we know it is dead. Because a lot of the principles of executive presence in the past have been based on hierarchical, autocratic, um, male-dominated structural constructs. And now where we're shifting in leadership is to integration, being relational and being whole person showing up as your whole self. So it's interesting in the terminology. So now I say professional presence a lot of the time, but really it's whole person, whole presence. You are complete. And how do you show up as a complete being? And then in a company, how do you deal with people who are showing up as their whole self? Are there so people on shifting the conversation? Are there people in companies already showing up as their whole selves? I think that there are. And the, the struggle that people run into is, this line between being vulnerable and showing up and having someone go, Oh, not like that. That's too much information. Right. So because the line has been blurred now, the age of compartmentalization is over. You're no longer one person at work and one person at home. Cause if you are, I think you're lying to yourself somewhere, right? You are who you are. Um, and we're navigating that now, like how much information is too much to share? Where is the personal boundary between things that are private or things that are sort of close for your inner circle and things that are for the world at large. And it's really interesting helping people navigate the balance between those things. Mm -hmm. I perfectly understand what you're talking about and, um, having, or coming from, uh, corporate experience and now speaking still to a lot of my friends who are in corporations, I know that they're struggling integrating this um, self and, and they're still seeing the divide between their personal lives, personal interests and work. And I don't think there's full acceptance yet. How do you see that developing? I agree that there's not full acceptance yet. I think that's only because we don't have representation in leadership of leaders who are showing up as their whole selves, who are showing up as balanced leaders, because we have uh, our, all of our old models, like young men, for example, have a lot of examples uh, and models of what leadership looks like. Mm -hmm. And people that are less represented in leadership, women are less represented, folks that are gender fluid, uh, folks from different ethnicities and races are less represented, even though a lot of people, they represent the global majority, right? Mm -hmm. They're less represented. So I think the key to people adapting to this change is by having more representatives of the change in those higher levels of leadership. 
So the barriers do exist. There's no question. You can Google and get a thousand different reports on the barriers that exist for gender, for diversity, for other things at leadership. And overcoming them, I think what's going to happen is the old guard is going to need to adjust a little bit because companies will come up and they'll say, we want you to come and play in our sandbox because all the data shows that diversity is great for company growth, but then they don't want to change the sandbox at all to accommodate the people who are coming to stay. They're like, you have to fit into our box. And people that are coming now are saying, you know what? I don't think I like your box. Your box has not gotten us the results that we want. Let's actually shift the construction of the company to allow for people to show up fully. And because money's not the only motivator. I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal about how there's a company now in the States planning to tie pay to attendance. They're saying, well, if you're not present in the office, then we're going to dock your bonus. And I'm like, what a dinosaur attitude. (laughs) They're doubling down on this piece about showing up. And it's like, you don't understand. People are not motivated by that. That's not going to work. It's not money. People Mm -hmm. want to apply their talents, skills, and abilities all the time in order to feel valued at work and to feel that their work has meaning. And you yourself have a lot of stuff on uh, successes. Success is creating a meaningful life, right? Your whole, your whole platform is dedicated to that. So you understand where I'm coming from. I understand where you're coming from. And I'm also seeing uh, the disconnect between what is being sold as diversity uh, yeah. and what is the actual diversity. Because at the moment there's, uh, um, uh, you know, the entire uh, gender fluidity being sold as diversity, but this is only a small portion of the entire diversity that is out there because there's the, uh, diversity in ideologies, diversity in the way you, I mean, this is also the ideology, the way you see health, the way you um, view your psychology, spirituality, all of these things Mm -hmm. are not accepted. It's just this small portion of gender fluidity that we're now pushing as diversity. But at the same time, the topic of women um, got sidetracked Mm -hmm. uh, while it was very important three years ago. Now it's no longer, you know, a priority. This is Mm -hmm. what I'm observing at least. Yeah, I I agree with you that there is a, the focus has shifted a bit. And I think that it's really great, actually, that small minorities have a voice. I love that. I love that the spotlight is saying, hey, look, women are diverse. Ethnicity is diverse. Gender is diverse. I really like that all of those things are being brought into the conversation. What I am the most passionate about is advancing women. And the reason that I am focused on that is because we're still 50% of the population that have not advanced. And as women advance, theoretically, high tide floats all boats. Yeah. So when I think about advancing the cause for women, I think that these other other, uh, groups are also brought along by that. And they, we stand on the shoulders of the people before us. Right. And when I think about like, even in my generation, my mother couldn't get a credit card in her own name. And I'm only 52. Like that's not a long time. And so I'm very, very conscious of in this leadership piece and women, of course, during the pandemic, we lost a whole bunch of women in representation in leadership because they were still bound by that societal norm of women are going to take on the burden of homeschooling their kids, of looking after things. Um, There are some wonderful men stepping up into that sphere that are educating other men around this balanced leadership and balanced care for the home and balanced existence in life, um, where we're redefining 
you know, it's not just women's work anymore, but we're not there yet. And so this is why I feel really strongly about continuing to advance the line. And women are not settling anymore. This is the beautiful thing that I'm seeing. I've been following a bunch of different creators on TikTok and listening to all these different opinions. Women are not willing to settle. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, watching Game of Thrones or something where you're watching the armies and they have their shield and they go, and they put their shield down and they wait, they poke out and then they go, and they go forward and they put their shields down and, and we're not willing, we're holding the line now. And I think it's been really hard for people to, who have been in power for a long time to say, oh, the change is already here and I need to get on the bus. So I feel very, very passionate about still advancing women's leadership and keeping the spotlight firmly there for my work. There's lots of people in other spaces. You're doing great work on your end of the world um, with the health and other pieces that you're merging. There are people doing great work in the straight up gender fluidity space. There are people doing great work with men, helping men understand, hey, the world is changing. What are you going to do with this? But for me, it's really, really about women in leadership because I feel very committed to getting them visible at those higher levels of power. How do you help them get visible? Well, it's really interesting. I think the chief thing that women face is self-silencing. Women will self-silence for a variety of reasons. They either will sit at a table and feel that they don't have uh, an opinion to contribute, or more often, they contribute something and then their opinion is not valued. So I think self-ending self-silencing is one of the key components to advancing women in leadership. And to that end, women have to be willing to claim their own value and to claim their own power. Often women are, we're great at collaborating. We're really good at that. We're good at like leading from the back and getting everybody on board and, and pushing agendas forward in a very collaborative way. But in terms of, um, we minimize when we do that. We minimize our own achievements. We minimize the achievements of our community as well. And so while women are busy bringing, bringing people forward, they also need to bring themselves forward. Because I think combined with the self-silencing is also, we've been taught over the years that women advance by caring for everyone but themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's this sacrifice that happens for women to advance other people, and that needs to stop. So as women learn how to, so one of the ways that I help women is by saying, okay, what are you really good at? What are you really passionate about? What are you skilled at? And then how do you speak about that in a way that makes people stand up and take notice? One client that I was working with has a really remarkable journey. She started out as an EA in a very large professional services firm and was kind Sorry, of what's the EA executive assistant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Terminology, right? Thank you for asking uh, as an executive assistant. So she, as an executive assistant, and I find this with some other executive assistants is that they, because they are a support service, they don't realize that they can actually provide value to their organization in a multitude of other ways that the EA should be a starting position, not a finishing position for women. And so in her experience, she's in all the important rooms. She's listening to all the conversations. She has a good business mind. And so she said, you know what, I think I can be of more value in this area of the organization. And it happens to be learning and development. And so one of the things that we worked on 
was helping her claim her business acumen. Mm -hmm. Because often if you're in an assistant position, you're looking for approval or you're looking for validation. You're saying, here's what I drafted. Can you review it? And we had to shift her mindset to say, actually, you know what to do. You know who to talk to. You know what the next steps are. You've listened to all of this information. You've built relationships all the way through the organization. That has value. So first, the first piece is identification of all the skill sets for her. And then the next piece was speaking about it clearly. But even before that, we actually really worked on tying that to a hard return on investment. Whether it's a dollar value to the company, either it's a direct generation or it's a cost savings or it's an efficiency. Money talks in business. It always has. It always will. And people in power understand money. So a big piece is being able to speak the language, articulate your value in those terms, and then say things in those rooms that contribute to the conversation. And remove yourself from rooms where you're not contributing. To be very, very selective in the places where you are choosing to show up and how you're choosing to show up. So that's just one of the ways that I work with women to help them navigate these systems and to challenge the systems of power. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because uh, if it's a part of their job description to, let's say, attend all the meetings where their superior is supposed to be or missing at the, mo at, at the time, and do they have the liberty to say, I don't have an interest to join this meeting? Well, it's interesting because in her in her executive assistant position, no, of course, that's her job, right, is to mm -hmm. do those administrative functions. But for her to move out into this new role, so now she's got a completely different project management role in the company. She is no longer an executive assistant. And we've worked very hard to make other people see that she's not an assistant anymore. So she's had to say no. And she's had to constantly evaluate, if someone's asking me to do this, is this an administrative task? Or is this really part of my new role? Because as a project manager, there is administrative things that need to happen. Right. But she said to me on a call the other day, she said, the difference is now I'm, now I'm organizing things for me. Am I directly involved in this meeting? Is this part of my project? Then I'm willing to do that. She said, but if someone's asking me to organize something for them, for something unrelated, I say no. And then I direct them to someone else who does that organization for them. And she really had to learn to sit in her power to be able to say no, mm -hmm. right? Particularly because many women are also pleasers. We want to please people. We want to make people happy. We want things to be harmonious. And it can be a real challenge to say, I don't need to be in this meeting. I'm not going to organize that for you. I'm not going to take notes in this meeting, right? Often those, those sort of secretarial tasks still default to women. I'm not going to get you coffee, right? And it's, I can't, I mean, I can't believe I've been even saying that out loud in 2023 that we're still having this conversation about women getting these secretarial tasks, but you know, we are, we, we continue to educate. Not everybody's caught up yet. Yeah. How, how would you define uh, your work? Is it more on the psychological side, mindset side, or just action? This is what you need to do, or this is, or just opening their mind and awareness about the meaning behind their actions when it I comes think, to growing their professional presence? Yeah, it's a combination of all three things because nothing happens in isolation. However, in my practice, I do focus on action. 
So in the, in the past, I would sometimes have clients who would come to me that were confused about kind of where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do. And they weren't sure. So there was a lot of psychological coaching in that area, a lot of mindset coaching, a lot of belief shifting and awareness shifting. But the people that I work the best with are women who know there's an issue. They know they can do better. They're ready to invest their time and energy in it. And they want to act. Because those are the people who get the best results working with me. Because, I mean, people, <laughs> one of my clients said, oh, she said, I love the way you kick me in the, and yeah. pat me in the head at the same time. So, right? uh, so people hire me to put them in the fire, like in the crucible, right? It's going to hurt. You're going to have to work, but you're going to come out transformed. And so my focus is, yes, psychology. Yes, mindset. Yes, the way you look, the way you show up in a room, the way you present. And what is the action you're going to take to get you into a place of representation so that you can change things from the inside out? Can you share with us a few tips on, on professional presence and on the general image, the, the, the expressions? I don't know, the, the high level things that you guide yeah. your clients to follow. I would love to do that. The three basic principles that everything else rests on are my three C's. And the three C's are character, congruence, and control. And what I mean by that is character is incredibly important because you have to know who you are. You have to know what you want because you cannot get what you want if you don't know what it is. And you cannot take action towards it if you don't know where you're going. So character is extremely important. My belief is that who you are at four is who you are at 104. At the core of who you are, that does not change. You were born into this world to with a specific container to do whatever it is you were meant to do on the planet. And the sooner you make friends with your container and your core, the easier your life is going to roll. Right? Like when I, I my, started my first career singing in the opera, actually, that's partly why I was in Vienna all those years ago. So it's nice to be chatting with you again. <laughs> and I remember I wanted to be the third act princess with the fainting rescue, save me. You know, I wanted that so badly. And I am not. I am the naughty chambermaid, right? I'm the sidekick. I'm like Donkey and Shrek, if you've seen that movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm the sidekick. <laughs> I'm the comic relief, right? That's my nature. And the, the minute that I realized that that was where I needed to be, that my nature is to be a challenger, then I was like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And I can temper my challenging. So I aim for like, I want to be like 10% over the line. Like not so far over the line that I'm alienating people. Although sometimes it is good to alienate people if they're not the right fit for you just a little over the line to make people think, but not to shut them out, right? Are you, are you using a specific framework to say what type of a person you are? Yeah, I mean, I do have some archetypal like things that I look at, um, particularly related to style personality when we start looking at the appearance-related pieces for people. But, but firstly, what I do when I look at characters, I really want to look at people understanding what do you love to do? What, what really gets your fire going? How are you in different situations? So I have a series of assessments that I work with people on um, looking at your strengths and skills and things like that. And then what we do is we distill it down to a series of words that help describe you very, very clearly. 
Um, and what I mean by that is I have an example. So mine are firm, fair, and fierce, right? I stand for what I stand for. I will change my mind if new information becomes available and it makes sense to me. And I will fiercely fight for the things that are important. I'm going to be fierce about my world. And then if people need more information, I usually add fun, fabulous, and fecund. It's fecund <laughs> word, right? I like to have fun. I like to be fabulous. And fecund is like a great word around creativity and like the expansion of things. And oh, it's very visceral. And so I do that kind of work for my clients as well. So once we nail down who you are at the center, then we really want to look at congruence. So we've got your character in place. You know who you are. You know what you want. You know where you're going. Then we want to say, okay, how congruent is everything about you to who you are? Is your appearance making people know who you are before you say anything, right? Because no one sees your skills. No one sees your skills. You could be the best at something. And if you don't look as good as you are, you're not going to uh, get where you want to go as quickly. We look at that. We also look at what kind of environment are you in, right? Because maybe the corporate world is not for you, right? You know, <laughs> corporate world, not for somebody that has a much more entrepreneurial or risk tolerant bent. So what environment are you in? Who are the people that you're hanging out with? Are these things congruent? Would people, would someone be able to look at the totality of you? Would they be able to look at your home? Would they be able to look at your vehicle? Would they be able to look at your friend group? Would they be able to look at your work? Would they be able to look at your closet? Would they be able to look at your interests on a list? And would all of those things make sense? Would all of those things say, yes, this, this person makes sense. Everything is congruent. So we look at that piece because there's expectations, right? We don't live in a vacuum. Gosh, Catherine, do, have you ever met a person that is absolutely congruent to the expectations of the position? <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's not much. It's an ongoing practice. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm like, you know what? We want to strive to be as congruent as possible because it's easier. It's so much easier just to be who you are. So we look for congruence, and then we look for control, and. What I mean by control is not, you can't control everybody around you. You cannot control whether someone's going to like you, not like you. That's all through their own filters. You can't control that. But there are things you have control over. You have control over the places you go. You have control over the words that you say. You have control over what's in your closet. You have control over your thoughts. You have a lot of levers that you can adjust, a lot of knobs, a lot of dials that you can use to your advantage, depending on your situation. So if, for example, uh, you and I were talking earlier about the difference between your two platforms and how you show up on your heal and learn versus grow and learn is a little bit different. It's and that's different because you're yeah. still you, but you're still you, right? It's like having a piece of stereo equipment. You can turn up the volume or turn it down, but you're still you. And in that you have a lot of selective things you can do. Right. If I'm going to show up for a very corporate engagement and it's still kind of an old school environment, like if it's a bank, something like that, where it's there's a bit of institutional expectation, yeah. I'm not going to show up like this necessarily. I'm going to show up in one of my suits. Mm -hmm. However, my suits are also generally fairly well colored. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think my most conservative thing is a navy suit, but it's got a really interesting design. Like the yeah. style is interesting because I still need to show who I am. Still mm -hmm. need to show that. If I showed up, oh God, you put me in a conservative business suit and I'll probably want to barf. Even now as I'm talking about it, oh, 
Like, yeah, I also like that. I mean, I, I never showed up like this at, at my corporate job, but I, I did have colorful yeah. suits and also dresses that are, you know, appropriate for the environment. But I'm, um, sure. I was still, I don't think I was congruent to the environment still in this outfit because of the expectation right. of a very um, consulting type of a person for that position that I was occupying at the time. Right, right. And this is where I think it's very important also to challenge the representation. So using the three C's, character, congruence, control, it's also really important to say, hey, I can show up a little bit differently in this situation and that will help shift the dial. It'll help move the conversation. It forward. did help. I, I can testify right? to that. Yes, it did. It did help because people were noticing first of all you're being noticed because you're different and they pay attention yes and, and you need this first attention grab in order mm -hmm. to deliver you know your capabilities it's like a, a door opener absolutely absolutely i sometimes refer to this this appearance piece as the amuse bouche on a beautiful meal right it's a little taster it's an appetizer it gets people curious about who you are before you say anything. And that is a great advantage to be able to just give somebody a little taste of who you are uh, before you show up or before you say, or before you open your mouth or before you do take any action. It's really useful. So this is why I still, even though, even when I started my, when my, I started my business, it was strictly image consulting, which is still appearance behavior communication, still fairly well-rounded, mm -hmm. but I struggled ugh, against the parameters of my own profession against this idea that you had to look a certain way. Listen, when we go to our international conference and there's like 300 image consultants in a room, they look so beautiful and polished and they're so polite. And there I am wanting to shake up the status quo. And I'm still a bit of an outlier in my profession. I also hate shopping the worst. And I don't really care about fashion in the sense that I'm only interested in that in as much as it can be used as a tool to advance you. Mm -hmm. But but fashion for fashion's sake, there are people who love design, who love that. And I'm like, meh, no, what can it do for you is what I'm interested in. And I really struggled for a long time. And in fact, um, when I took my training in image, uh, in, in particularly in the appearance-related pieces, it was I kind of lost all my personality because I was following the rules. And I'm like, oh, this is not working. And I had to navigate it for myself. So I, it was interesting because I'm navigating it for myself. I'm navigating it for my clients um, and taking that personal journey at the same time. And I can tell you the minute that I sharpened up my image for corporate work. So I changed to, you know, this, well, this is a little bit funkier right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> before. Uh, once I changed my image and, and uh, brought my suiting up and was dressed with a little bit of a sharper edge, my business doubled in one year just strictly because I'm matching the expectations of my profession, but I'm also doing it on my own terms. Yeah. And that's, I think, what women need to do more often. You can match the expectations, do it on your own terms, and do it so that you are able to really bring your whole self to the table. And people around you need to see that so they can adjust their expectations for people showing up. I have one client who was a new mom, she had to do a huge presentation. She's a marketing design firm owner and she's working for a, a restoration company, like cleaning after floods and things like that. So she's at their huge conference. She's doing the marketing presentation. She's doing the thing for the whole company nationwide. 
she's got a three-month-old. And so what does she do? We get her dressed. We get her a baby sling that matches all her outfit. And she wore her baby the whole time. Mm -hmm. And she addressed it straight up. She went, I'm a mom. And guess what? Moms can still be up here and do the work. Right? We can do it. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a beautiful example of just shifting the conversation a little bit. Right. She's also six feet tall and wears four inch stilettos all the time, too. Wow. She's like, it's not about it. It's how I feel. I want to wear this. And men who are intimidated or people who are intimidated, that's a that's a them problem. That's not on me. How how often do you see expression in image expression? Um how should I say it as an overcompensation? Anyway, you're bringing it too far sometimes uh, oh. your image to make a point, but you're compensating yes. for something else. Yes. I do see that happen. I, I'm thinking of a case uh, a number of years ago where I was um, working with a series of MBA students at the Sauter School of Business here at the University in, in British, uh, British Columbia here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And there was one woman I will never forget. She was having the hardest time fitting in with her peers, even though she's lovely. She organizes things. She's very social, right? She, she's a great contributor to the community and nobody would talk to her. Nobody would hang out with her because her image. So imagine a field of MBA students. What comes to mind when you think if you have that in your, what, how would you describe it? I have personally graduated from one of the top MBA schools in Spain. So I definitely know what you're talking about because it was way too colorful for this group as well. But they said, you can pull it out. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You're not over the line. So this particular woman, she, so in this sea of gray and Navy and in this sea of people wearing all the same thing, she was dressed like a Barbie, like sort of the L woods, but even not even shorter skirts, even higher heels. She had long extensions. Um, she was a beautiful Asian woman, but she had dyed her hair super blonde. Um, she had blue contacts. She really was hammering her differences home. And I remember having a conversation with her and saying, look, you don't right now, you're smashing people in the face with a sledgehammer. I get that you want to be different. I get that you like the surprise factor when you look the way you do and people find out you have multiple PhDs, mm-hmm. you're incredibly intelligent. She was an incredible software programmer. Like she was had a, an amazing business mind and she liked the incongruence. Yeah. And so the conversation I had to say with her, had to have with her was how much are you willing to tolerate the pushback on you because of that? Like you're, you're crying in your dorm at night because people don't understand you and yet you like the challenge. So the, the issue there is balancing those two things. And eventually she decided, she's like, you know what, I'm just going to go for an environment where they accept me. I'm like, okay. And I think about her success. She's still been very successful, but she still is that outlier and still, I think potentially could have had more success had she been willing to temper just a little I never want to advocate for somebody shutting themselves down. However, sometimes you have to learn how to be an elephant without scaring the mice. I understand. And yet there's still an incongruence now, or I would say uh, a discrimination between the the different groups. If we think about the gender fluid people 
mm-hmm. they're still allowed to present themselves in a shocking way. But if a woman does it, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you say if a woman does it, not anymore, like women are not allowed to be shocking. They're not as uh, there's they're not as accepted in a corporate environment. I'm talking about a corporate environment. Okay, I gotcha. gotcha. Particularly, um, yeah. While gender fluid people are promoted with the way they look, you know, right? They're accepted the way they look. But if a woman shows up a bit differently, she would be out of line. Right, she would be seen as out of line. Yeah, I think that speaks to the need. To, ad- to advance the line mm-hmm. so it's not accepted so then why is it not accepted to start to question those parameters why is this not like why are companies only hiring from harvard it doesn't mean what it used to mean right in in the states for example why are women not allowed to be more feminine in their expression why do we not look at leadership from this more balanced perspective So when you say it's not accepted, I think there are still barriers that we face, but I think that's that because we still face them, this is the time to stand up and show up a little bit differently. And yes, there are women that are going to be sacrificed for that. Um, But I think we need it, right? We need to stand up and continue to fight because there's no, there's no other way, Mm -hmm. right? We're just going to revert. And right now we're in the middle of a very intense backlash, intense backlash, but it's all like that uh, in the sense of the line has advanced quite far mm-hmm. and the status quo is pushing back really, really hard. Why do you think this some is... of those advancements? Sorry, you asked me a question. I missed what you Why said. do you think this is? Is, is it because of the economic uh, situation? Because I, I, I know that I've read quite a lot of material that when it comes to deteriorating economic situations, um, everybody's psychologically reverting back to the traditional way of thinking, be it the way you dress, be it the way you do business. It's all going back to traditional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, because what happens in any learning situation is you have your zone of comfort in the center or your zone of familiarity. I hate to say comfort zone because you can be in that zone and be uncomfortable. It can feel too tight. So this zone of familiarity. And then as you grow, the next stage out is the zone of growth. But if you go too far too fast, then you get into panic. You've stretched too far. And what happens when people panic? They run away. They run back to the familiar. They run back to what they cling on to. They run back to old structures. And I think what's happening now is we have really done a big stretch and it's contracting. But the good news about that is that at least the zone of familiar, it's contracting, but it's not going all the way back to the center. So gradually the zone of the familiar becomes as big as your growth zone was before. And then your growth zone stretches and then your panic is farther out. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's just the economic situation, but I do think that it's because people are afraid. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of what this might mean for them. And so it reverts back to that sense of, well, I'm going to stick with what's familiar instead of, Mm -hmm. instead of being able to sit in that and go, wow, things are really changing quickly. I'm going to sit and do some reflection on what I need to do to sit and adapt to this change. So if I'm an old white guy in a board meeting and there's something going on that I'm like, Oh, or there's some way that I spoke to women before that I could, that I don't, that I can't do now. 
Um, for example, um, one of another consultant that I was talking to had an example of a woman who very accomplished, only woman in the room, um, again, well-educated, very experienced, does this great initiative for the company. And one of the um, senior leaders says to her, you're such a good girl. Yeah. In Uh, And I think it's so important for leaders who are feeling challenged right now to to also hold the line, to not revert, to not automatically flee and run away back to old ways of thinking. Just like that company that I said, that's a tying tying attendance to pay. No way, man. Like you have to be so strong, particularly if you're an old white guy, older white guy. I say that I love men. I say that with the, with the most fondness. If you're in that position where your world is being rocked, learn to rock with it. Learn to think critically about what's happening around you. Really stop and say, wow, I'm feeling out of place. And I imagine that must be so hard and so uncomfortable for people who have been in leadership for such a long time and have understood the game for such a long time and have played the game well and been so successful in that paradigm to suddenly have that blown open. Wow. I can't imagine how shocking that must be to their systems. And so I have a great deal of empathy for that, for the shock. And it's an incredible opportunity. The men who can step up to that and the women who have been forced to act like men to get successful and are in those ranks of senior leadership for those people to be able to step back and go, wow, I need to make a change. I need to do something differently. I need to look at what's going on around me and educate myself. I need to get a mentor who's under 30. If you're over the age of 40 or the age of 50, and you don't have a mentor who is under 30, you are missing out. You're going to, you're going to ossify and die. So I think that's that's a revolutionary advice. I've never heard of it before, but it's genius. I love it. Right? Like you have to have people around you that are younger to keep you current and to help expose you. And that is why, again, with the work that I do with women in representation, representation is so important because everything is flat now. Younger generations have wisdom and we're listening. Older generations have wisdom and we're listening. It's not just one way anymore. The world is not one way. It's two-way. It's multidirectional. And so the sooner leaders can adapt to this new reality, the better off they're going to be. Catherine, where, where are you going next? What are your personal dreams and personal goals? <laughs> I have so many. Or oh, professional goals. So many professional goals. Um, at the moment, I'm working on my first business book which is all about this kind of revolutionary approach to leadership, where it's much more relational, much more integrated, how to get there, what to do if you're in the old paradigm to shift to the new paradigm. And the working title right now is Whole Person, Whole Presence. And that's where I'm going with that. Um, it might change as I get to get out to the publishers and we start talking about uh, things that the, I, the title might tweak, but it's not the title's not really important. It's about getting this out. So I'm working on that right now, which is exciting. I love to write. Um, I really want to, I'm working on really laser focusing my firm right now, right? Really, it's, it can be scary to stand up and say you stand for something, especially nowadays, right? You can get taken down mm. by the pretty easily. Yeah. 
Um, but so me actually stepping up and saying, you know what, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm going to move towards. I really want to see women lead and I want to see men working with them. I, I think that that's going to change the world. And so that's my little corner that I'm advancing, uh, that little piece of the line I'm advancing. So I'm working on building my practice really focused on that. So my marketing team is super excited because we're working on um, all the pieces of that. They're excited about all the social stuff we're planning. And I'm working on building community in my business, really getting people talking to one another. So I'm like, look, I know all these great people and all these people don't know each other and they need to know each other because in our society everywhere, I think a lot of the problems we're seeing right now are because there's been way too much of a focus on the individual. So it's just gone bananas. Like, and the individual is all about what can I get? What's good for me? How do I live in this world? And self-expression is great. And we live in community. We cannot survive without each other. We have to learn how to be relational. We have to learn how to do that. So I want to build more community. Um, and I'm working on a certification actually in relational skills, which is around this cultural awareness and um, societal awareness and things like that. So those are my three things that I'm kind of looking at right now for my professional world. In my personal world, I'm working on improving my jazz chops as a jazz singer. <laughs> are you so performing have, actively? No, I have a band that I work with that's mostly a rehearsal band and once in a while we gig. But I did a show at the launch for my second. I have two books of poetry that I published uh, over the pandemic because I also love to write poetry in my artistic world. And I did a show with four incredible jazz musicians uh, here in Vancouver at Tyrant Studios. So if anyone's coming to Vancouver, I highly recommend, if you like jazz, uh, search up Tyrant Studios. It's a historic venue above a strip club here in Vancouver. <laughs> um, I just show there. And so I'm, I'm working on talking to them about doing some original tunes, original jazz tunes and working on it. Because I love to have a venue just to express that creativity outside of my professional life. Beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. I really fun. enjoyed this. I, re I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Catherine, it's been Me a total too. pleasure. Thank you. It's been how a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to meet you. How can people reach you if they want to enhance their professional presence? Absolutely. So my website is lzrkconsulting.com. Uh, LZRK for the Americans that are, might be listening in. Uh, but if you Google Catherine Lazarek, professional presence i'm easy to find on the web because my last name is so unique yeah so if you google me you'll find me on instagram you'll find me on linkedin and at lzrkconsulting.com and just drop me a line and i'm happy to book a chat with you at any time thank you so much it was a very insightful conversation um anything that you would like to add as a goodbye <laughs> yeah you know what what i would like to say is life is like a potluck dinner And everybody comes to the potluck with their own special dish and they season it the way that they can only do it and they prepare it only the way that they can do it. And if you don't show up to the table with your dish, someone at the table doesn't eat because they can only eat your dish. They can only hear a message from you. They can only understand something because of your contribution. You must show up to the potluck. Please show up. Figure out who you are. Figure out what you need to do in this world and do everything you can to bring all of your gifts and talents and skills to the world today. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging, and inspiring. 
Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.